0: Hey, very good day to all of you out there listening today is august the 23rd 2023 this is the friendship news hour presented to you by bummer dude media my name is frank and his name is alex
1: what's up hello sir how are you pretty good how are you i had a fucking birdie this week frank so i'm fantastic
2: cheers
1: (laughs) cheers to that is it your first ever no no but it always feels good because i'm not a great golfer like yeah to me a bogey is a par in my head sometimes. Uh-huh. Shooting for better, but just the way my golf game is. So if I could play bogey golf, I'd be extremely happy with that. So when I hit a you know a par or a birdie, it it feels good. So you were par four on and two and you drained the putt? Yes. Par yeah, par four smacked a drive, probably only like two seventy five, two eighty. Went to the right a little bit but was was inbounds. And I was about 170 out. Okay. I was one fifty out but it was up it was above my head quite a bit. So I was playing at like one eighty. And I hit my six iron out of the rough and put it to like three feet. Nice, man. And then, you know, took my time with it and drained the putt, which is, is also a, a rarity. So it was, uh, it felt good. That is nice. Didn't help the 105, but, you know. <laughs> right. Well, we were actually playing a, a scramble for that. So we we actually, me and my cousin Marcus, I think in that round shot eight over par for the round with oh, like yeah. playing best ball. But on that hole, on the birdie hole, they were all my shots. So Very good. But it was good. We were out there for a a golf trip for our buddy Pat Davison, kind kind of like a mini diaper party, but really just, you know, excuse to go and play golf with the boys. So we went down to like uh, right on Lake Michigan, uh, like on the southern part of Michigan and did 72 holes in three days, 18, 36 and then 18 on the Sunday before we left. And uh, it was me, Pat, my cousin Marcus and now my brother Girth. That sounds like uh, a dream weekend. It was, man. Like that
0: weekend and then like maybe the birth of my kid.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Dude, it was, it was great, man. It would, uh, we got lucky, bro, because i I mean, you obviously plan these trips out weeks, months ahead of time. And, and the forecast for this weekend was, uh, on Saturday, It like basically said like 40 to a 60% chance of rain from like 7am to 11 and then from one to eight or something. And mm-hmm. Obviously, that's when we were playing and we only got rained on for like maybe a total like 15 minutes. And that was it throughout the whole day. Like we we'd missed all the rain. So we were good wow. to play the whole time. It rained at night a little bit. So the courses were soggy, but the, they were all in good enough condition that it was still great golf. That's awesome, man. Good for you guys. I'm happy for you. Oh, yeah, man. I love I love weekends. It
0: doesn't happen often, but I love weekends where I can play more than one round of golf. In one day.
1: Yeah, dude. It's been a while since I've done it, I, honestly, man. Like two 18s back to back. How's your body feel? Great. Yeah, my body yeah, feels I, awesome, man. I, I like to think I'm in like pretty much perfect shape, so my recovery is pretty easy, you know? Yeah, like an athlete, <laughs> almost. Yeah, that mm-hmm. of a pro athlete, for sure. <laughs> uh, it was good, man. I, honestly, it just made me want to do it again with the boys, like... You know, even if we get like two foursomes or something like that and do it. Like the way we did it was on Friday, all four of us played and we counted our strokes. From that way, we seeded teams Uh to play scrambles basically through the weekend. So then we, it was me and Marcus versus Zach and and, uh, Patrick Uh because that's how it ended up. Pat was one that on Friday, then Marcus, then me, then Zach. And we played match play through the whole weekend and stroke play through the whole weekend. Oh nice. And yeah, yeah. So it was fun. It was just a good way to do it, I guess. So it just made me want to do it more and more and more. So you need to like get married or something like that so we can go on a trip. <laughs> or something. Well, I had a birdie this weekend. You did? Yeah. Ooh, at t- uh, tell me, tell at, at the old Tory Pines.
0: Um mm. so I, I I Sunday, last Sunday, here here here's how it works in San Diego. If you want to play Tory Pines and you're a resident, you go online. And you can book a tea time. I can book a tea time for today if it were available, but they're only the best time to get it is when they first come out. And they come out at 7 p.m. the week before the date you want it. So today is Tuesday, the 23rd. If I wanted a tea time for next Tuesday, the 30th, I'd have to wait till 7 p.m. today on the dot, get in the online portal, book a tea time. Mm. I wanted to play on Sunday. Last Sunday, I was online. At 7 p.m., the only tee time available was 4:30. That's how quickly that they, that they get booked up. Damn! So went out there, and it was me and three other singles. And I played my ass off. Hey! I played my ass off. It was crazy. Everybody else was really good too. The par three third, if you ever play tour South, it's a par three that goes directly like it, it would. Lo- it looks like you're going right into the ocean, and you have the the, the Hoya Village in the, in the background. Mm. And, uh, I've never played that hole where all four golfers were on the green and we were all just kind of in a line on the green. And that's how it was all day. So like, not only was I playing good golf, but the entire group was playing good golf. And there's a certain energy that comes with that dude. And it was just fucking awesome. And I only played nine Mm. holes and it was one of the best rounds of golf I ever played.
1: Nice dude. Yeah, Fuck dude. It. it was incredible. I wish I could say the same. We were we all kind of went through our phases this weekend of like playing making good shots, hitting solid contact and whatnot, and then all four of us just pulling terrible shots out of our ass, yeah. duffing it, hooking it. You yeah. Know?
0: That's how she goes.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. We were also, you know, enjoying ourselves on the course with right. various, you know, supplies. So you kind of lose a little bit of you that do. uh you focus do. and you know, I guess muscle focus too. Hey, uh, I want to play something. Mm, please. that was i know exactly what that was i bet you do <laughs> that's the sound of a black hole that nasa just released today all i gotta say is uh the movie's got it right about that just so you know that actual sound is like a crazy amount outside of the human hearing range Uh huh. so they they pitched it up a shit ton just so we could hear it and get an idea of it uh,
0: that's what they said by amplifying correcting and mixing with other data the black hole sounds quite different here it is with alternative processing here hold on motherfucker oh they got me good oh Oh, son of a bitch i was so excited too (laughs) (laughs) in the the best way possible that's amazing um (laughs) golly well that's cool i mean uh i i I never thought i never thought you'd ever get a, a, a chance to hear what space sounds like
1: yeah it's that's pretty cool man and yeah i always thought like yeah vacuum that's Mm -hmm. what you always hear no sound nothing but looks like apparently it is so massive or or there's something about it that is so altering that it actually does have a sound so it's really cool nasa exoplanet
0: says that the misconception that there's no sand in space originates because most space is a vacuum providing no way for sound waves to travel a galaxy cluster has so much gas that we've picked up actual sound. Here it's oh, amplified so and mixed how. with other data to hear a black hole.
1: Never gonna give you a <laughs> tremendous. Yeah, that's cool. They also released uh, another picture from James Webb yesterday of oh, uh, no Jupiter. Doubt. They focused it at Jupiter and uh with some like different light it like actually has like radiating poles they found mm. of like very bright light and there's like, you can see all the storms a lot better. It's it's a really cool picture. It's like a blue hue. Yeah. For how they had to do the ultraviolet light or whatever it is. But yeah, no doubt. Definitely cool.
0: No doubt. Uh, One more thing I wanted to show you. There's a nice, I don't know. I just thought that this was interesting. You ever watch Hot Ones?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This
0: is Matt Damon. Matt Damon. The one and only. But he's, he's explaining why they don't make movies like they used to. I think a scenario lots of viewers can relate to is is sitting on the couch on a Friday night, going through the streaming services, cycling through the movies and and thinking to themselves, they're not making movies for me anymore. As somebody who's been intimately involved in movie making for 30 years, what are the macro Hollywood conditions behind that sentiment?
2: Well, so what happened was um, the DVD was a huge part of our business, of our revenue stream, and technology has just made that uh, obsolete and so the movies that that we used to make you could afford to not make all of your money when it played in the theater because you knew you had the dvd coming behind the release and six months later you'd get all you know a whole another chunk it would be like reopening the movie almost and when that went away Mm. that changed the type of movies that we could make i did this movie behind the candelabra and i talked to a studio executive who explained it was a $25 million movie. I would have to put that much into print and advertising, right, to, to market it, um, who we call P&A. So I'd have to put that in P&A. So now I'm in $50 million. I have to split everything I get with the exhibitor, right, the people who own the movie theaters. So I would have to make $100 million before I got into profit. And and the idea of making $100 million on a story about like this love affair between these two people yeah I love everyone in the movie but I, it's a, that's a that's suddenly a massive gamble in a way that it wasn't in the 1990s when they were making all those kind of movies the kind of movies that I loved and and the kind of movies that were my bread and butter
0: damn isn't that crazy i i I, uh, I never thought of it like that and obviously it's true right the the way that you share profits between everybody involved in making producing and, and marketing a movie you know you don't get you don't buy when was the last time you
2: bought
1: a movie Man, it's been a while. I Occasionally, I'll buy the occasional DVD. I think I bought the movie Blockers. You ever seen that movie with Ike it? Barinholtz? Dude, that's a recommendation of the week from Alex. Okay. Watch the movie Blockers. It's Ike Barinholtz, John Cena, uh, Leslie Mann. Oh, nice. And uh, it's like about basically like they're, they all have daughters that are uh, seniors in high school. They're about to go to prom. And somehow like they ended up seeing... Their texts after they leave, and like the girls had made a pact that they're gonna like lose their virginity on prom. Oh night. shit! <laughs> and the, the, the parents intercept this text, and uh, it's about like the parents th- that evening when the girls go to prom, like them trying to intercept or like cockblock them, basically. Wow! So it's hilarious, dude. I, if you like Ike Barinholtz, he kills it, and John Cena actually is surprisingly pretty good in it too. That sounds like a hilarious premise. Highly recommend. Jacqueline would love it too. It's funny, and if you can't find it for free on streaming services, I will send it to you because I bought the <laughs> DVD, which is. Probably the last DVD I bought. <laughs> <bar. laughs>
0: um, hey, you didn't happen to
1: tune into the mullet championships, did you? No, I was unaware they were happening. Was this on the Ocho? This was yes, exactly right. It was, it was <laughs> right after uh Cornhole Championships. Um,
0: <laughs> but look at these kids, man. I, I had a. did you ever have a mullet? Uh
1: I don't think so. No, I don't think so. My uncle had a great one. Though. I had a mullet uh i'll have to dig up some pictures but, oh, but look nice. at these kids man look at all that cabbage in the back bro if there ever was oh, a kid God. that did
0: fornicate it was the look at this kid right
1: here <laughs> look at this guy my goodness i think they got it right though that first place mole a nice bro with the mohawk yeah really well done
0: it's like style that's like the definition of business in the front party in the back just mm-hmm. just great yeah look at this dweeb sorry kid <laughs> with the American flag. I wonder who his parents voted for. Uh, but some of these, look at this guy. He's no more than two and a half, three years old. Tremendous mullet there. My goodness. These are a sight to be
1: seen. Oh, look at that. Are these all white kids? Has every single one been white? I think so. I mean, have you ever seen a mullet? <laughs> 111,000 people. That was total votes. It's a lot of people tuned in, bro. There's a lot of people tuned in. This is like the... Uh,
0: the male equivalent of uh, like little girl pageants. Yeah. You know? I only share that so that we can share my favorite slangs for mullets. You ready for these? <laughs> yeah. The Camaro crash helmet. <laughs> <laughs> the Kentucky waterfall. The Mississippi mud flap. <laughs> the forbidden hair. The Tennessee top hat. <laughs> <laughs> what are some other good ones? The neck warmer. This makes me think of Joe Dirt, man. Right. Dude, was there ever a more iconic mullet? It's hard to think of one if there is. Fuzzy bumpkin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the manlet. Oh. Uh, anyway, I could go on forever. Yeah, yeah. I saw a pretty cool graphic this week when I was just kind of browsing the internet. It was the largest ancestry groups in the United States by county. So just kind of like a map of America. The largest ancestry groups. Yep. Yeah, so like by, I guess you'd say ethnicity? Is that what you Okay. But like, so, you know, German, African-American, Irish, English, Scandinavian, French, Italian, Native American, Mexican, Cuban, Dutch, Japanese, and Inuit. It shows all these on the map. And I just thought it was really interesting how there's pockets. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to be hard for the people just listening. But uh, like the whole like upper, almost like the whole northern part from like Iowa up kind of in the middle. Is All German, you know, even up into like Seattle up into Washington like it's all German and then you have this like pocket of uh, Red, which is English. That's like from Kentucky down to Florida and into Texas even you know, it's it's pretty much all English and African American heritage Uh, and then you see out more English out west which I thought was really interesting in like California Mm -hmm. and then what is that Utah? So I I don't know. I just saw this and thought it was really, really cool. And then you obviously have a bunch of Mexican people in uh, California and Texas. Almost all of Ohio is German. Yeah. So if
0: you look in Texas, right here in like the middle, like the the eastern middle portion, there's that little pocket of German. Mm -hmm. So that's that's San Antonio area. And I remember Uh, going to San Antonio to visit my sister, and she drove us out to the... The wine country, there's like hill country up Northern San Antonio and there's wine country up there. It's really, it's really pretty. It's it's super nice. And I'm passing the, we're passing these towns and they all have like weird German names. And apparently German folk came through this very specific part of Texas and settled and started farming. And so this very specific, and it's funny that you
1: see it here because I, I I witnessed it firsthand. It's all German in the middle of Texas. It's crazy to see how much of, like, I'd probably say like half of America is German. At least. Yeah. And then a huge English presence, obviously. Uh-huh. Definitely a big Mexican one. You see a lot of, it's cool how you see the pockets of French. It's like just in like Louisiana, yep, like in yep. the Baton Rouge, New Orleans area. And, and then, then, then like up towards near Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's it. (laughs) And then you got your Italians in New York and New Jersey. Yeah, looks like the Cubans don't go much more north than Virginia. That's about it. And then Mexicans dominate the Southwest. Dominate. Dominate. You got the Asians, baby, Japanese, all of Hawaii. Every single county in Hawaii is Asian. Oh, these are counties. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. This is by county. Yeah. Interesting. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then as I was looking at maps, I always just get down rabbit holes when I get on the internet, man. I saw this other article from the wall street journal that was talking about, um, where, which States are people living the longest? which I thought was just like kind of cool to see like laid out. And like just made me wonder if like, you know, is it something to do with sun and vitamin D in certain areas? Is it the water? Is it like health regulations? You know, like what would, what would change? Mm-hmm. But yeah, like when you look at the map, obviously the States with the, the highest life expectancy, Washington, California, uh, Minnesota, and then up into what is that? Uh, Vermont uh, and uh, Massachusetts? Is that Massachusetts. Is that Massachusetts? I have the list of of how they how they ranked basically. The number one actually, and that we didn't even mention that one is Hawaii, uh, with eighty point seven years of life expectancy. The state of Washington was two at seventy nine point two. Minnesota was three at seventy nine point one. California, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire all tied at seventy nine years. Um, Vermont, seventy-eight point eight, and Oregon at the same number, uh, and then to round out the top ten, it's Utah at seventy-eight point six and Connecticut at seventy-eight point four. Mm. So all across the country, you know what I'm saying. I, I wouldn't say that like Connecticut and you know Vermont are very comparable to like the kind of climate, or like Minnesota are very comparable to the climate you'd find in a uh, California or Hawaii, uh, but they're actually like still pretty close. So just interesting data i thought i don't know and then obviously you look at the midwest ohio michigan indiana illinois they're all low they're all way down on this list just concerning it's just it's weird i don't know yeah
0: that is weird i wonder i mean obviously quality of life i think is what gets you to you know life expectancy of 80 years Mm -hmm. if you have a if you have a shitty quality of life you're probably less likely to live longer but then what does that equate to is that Wealth—that's the first
1: thing that my mind goes to—is are these are these richer states? Yeah. So what this says is the lowest states with life expectancy were mostly southern states. Historically speaking, there's a lot of concentrated poverty in a lot of southern states and issues of historical racism and discrimination. Mm -hmm. And this is this is coming straight from you know Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. But I guess they're saying that in addition, active lifestyles in some areas can promote better health, uh, and public policy regarding health in certain states can also lead to a healthier population. So. Maybe just in the south, not as focused on the kind of things that they are out on the west coast and in some of these east coast cities. I, I don't know. A lot of butter. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. A lot of butter. A lot of butter. I've watched Paula Dean. Uh, could it be water related though? Because most of like, I mean, the coasts look pretty solid, and they probably are getting their water from the oh, the ocean salt water though. No, they get. Feel- we get our water from the Colorado River. Oh, do you really? Yeah, I am. Mean, wealth
0: is the one thing that comes to mind, right? Like, like Vermont, for example. Uh, see how Vermont's that nice dark green. Vermont's a yeah. very wealthy state. But then you go over to Wisconsin. Eh, Wisconsin's pretty, pretty wealthy, but they also like they also kind of keep to themselves, and they're like very community oriented. I feel like Wisconsiners.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Minnesota,
1: I don't know. I don't know why is Minnesota so much better than Nebraska. That's the weirdest one to me is Minnesota because it's cold as fuck there. Right? Uh, maybe just people are inside all the time, so your likelihood to like get sick and die is is smaller. Mm-hmm. It's one of the colder states, if not the coldest. But like, that.
0: but like also opportunity might have something to do with it because California, eh, I don't know, in Nevada and Arizona are deserts, right? So, so for them to be less to have less life expectancy in those two states. Maybe there's just not as much to do, so there's not as much. I don't know, man. It's so hard because you have to like draw so many conclusions to w- yeah,
1: why that is. But it's cool data to see. It uh, is cool data for sure. And then it ends it up with me the hope. U.S. Yeah, right. And then it ends up with the U.S. average is 77 years. So not too shabby, bro. Yeah, not too shabby. 77 is a good, a good long life. life. Yeah. So yeah, that was just a little uh, tidbit I wanted to bring to you. Oh, yeah, shit. Thing. Anything after 50 years is borrowed time, you know.
0: <laughs> I think.
1: <laughs> you know. Oh, man. So, uh, what are we looking at here today? Dan Price. I don't know who that is, but I see it written down here. Mm. Dan Price. You probably remember Dan Price
0: from his uh, declaration, if you will, that he was going to pay each one of his employees no less than a $70,000 salary. Do you remember that? No. Never heard of it. So, he's the CEO of a company called Gravity Payments, and he made this declaration in like 2018 that, uh, he was going to be a different CEO. You know, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to pay his workers a living wage. So everybody was going to get a $70,000, uh, uh, salary. And like people were crying during the meeting. And, um, he sent out a tweet one day that said the best antidepressant is, Giving somebody a, a a living wage or some some shit like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, he used like that little event, and I don't have any I don't have any evidence that he didn't do that, right? He, I, I think he might have paid his employees that much, but he used that event as like a launching pad for his personal brand, and he began tweeting, and he was very progressive, and this, that, and the other, and you know. Uh, he, so I forget who it was some publication said that he was like the one moral CEO and everybody was kissing his ass well it turns out the guy is a big big douchebag, real big creep <laughs> you don't say and uh, I'm going to play this clip This is an uh, ABC News clip about uh, Dan Price resigning from his CEO position.
3: Dan Price was a media sensation overnight. His words, his story went viral. National news outlets like ABC did pieces on his dramatic rise to fame. Some even called him the moral CEO. Well, this morning, his story has taken a troubling turn. This morning, the CEO praised nationally for significantly raising the minimum wage at his company is under fire and resigning. Dan Price stepping down from Seattle-based Gravity Payments, saying that his presence has become a distraction. Allegations of physical and sexual assault detailed this week in a New York Times article.
0: So for those who worked closely with him, he could be a very erratic and at times toxic boss.
3: The paper reporting it spoke to more than a dozen women who described predatory encounters with Price, who not only denies the allegations, but posted on Twitter, I also need to step aside from these duties to focus full-time on fighting false accusations made against me. In 2015, Price raised the minimum annual salary at his company from $48,000 to $70,000. The announcement celebrated by many. And not just from employees, going viral with media appearances, including on ABC News and talk show interviews.
2: When you make enough to
1: pay your expenses, to have a good, healthy life, you perform better in your job.
3: Support for his social media posts coming from many, like Casey Margus, a model and artist who says after striking up an initial relationship through Instagram, the two met several times over three months. Until Margus says one night after an argument, she explicitly told him she did not want to have sex and then went to bed. After taking an edible for insomnia, she says she woke up to sexual contact she did not consent to.
2: So
0: in my mind, it was safer for me to keep calm and pretend to still be asleep. That way, he wouldn't escalate it and possibly cause more harm to me. Yeah, so that's what he's um, accused of. That's who's accusing him. Ooh. And and so right after he uh, announced that he was going to raise the minimum wage to $70,000, there was a, it might have been the New York Times article, but there was an article that came out That was like, whoa, this guy is accused of domestic violence from his ex-wife. We should look into this. And it just kind of went, Mm -hmm. nobody cares because he was a media darling. You know, we just wanted to talk about how he's raising the minimum wage, being the, you know, being the nice CEO, being this moral guy. So I don't know, man, just, uh, just thought that was, it was interesting story and kind of, uh. I don't want to say funny, but like, you know, how many times have we seen this where somebody comes out and they say one thing and it's, dude, did you watch the Manti Teo documentary?
1: Uh, Sarah was telling me about it. No, okay. I haven't. So I haven't. If,
0: if you don't know the story, I'm not going to get super into it, but but it kind of ties in here a little bit because if ABC would have done their job as journalist, they probably would have uncovered some things about this guy. And then if they did their job as journalists, they would have dug a little bit deeper and would have found some things that wouldn't have made them. Have to make this video where they're like, "Yeah, we fucked up. We, mm-hmm. we probably shouldn't have had this guy on. He's kind of a douchebag." The same thing with the Manti Teo case. When Manti Teo was talking about his uh, his grandmother and his girlfriend dying at the same day, ABC, ESPN, the New York Times all ran the story verbatim, his words. And Deadspin was the company was the was a company that, un, that that broke the story about uh, hi, him being catfished. And when they interview the guys from Deadspin, they're like, yo, the story wasn't that this guy got catfished. To us, the story was ESPN, ABC, and the New York Times ran a story without vetting it at all, without, without checking it at, for, for any sort of verification whatsoever, Damn. and just running with it. And um, it dude, same thing here. Run a, run a story about the CEO, don't check into anything, and then three, four years later, you're going to have to retract it. Yeah. Sorry. So sorry. We're sorry. <laughs>
1: uh, another guy is kind of in the news in similar hot water andrew tate getting uh kind of cracked down on by meta it looks like dude cracked down he he got he, he got uh did from everything from everything did, did you know about him i honestly have, did not know much about him at all
0: dude i didn't know about him until he got canceled apparently he was one of the more popular people on all of the internet and i had no clue i don't ever remember seeing him no, me, me either. Honestly, yeah, yeah, like me either. And and I, I guess you'd have to search for him. The thing I saw is that he was like used to be a fighter. Is that he how used he used to be got, a like kickboxer? Yeah, popular? like like yeah, okay. like world champion kickbox kickboxer. Oh, okay. So he gets he gets uh, deplatformed from everything. He 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 gets permanently banned from all these social media outlets. I want to read to you a curated collection of the worst things that he said. Starting with number eight. If you put yourself in a position to be raped, you must bear some responsibility. And part of a Twitter rant about Harvey Weinstein cases, this entire rant was controversial due to its misogynistic and victim-blaming elements. Number seven, this belief does not discredit as a whole, stick to serious definitions, and stop pretending normal male behavior is rape. Said during the previous Twitter rant, this statement also generated controversy with several people condemning Tate's words. Basically saying uh, that uh, there should be more rigid definitions to rape and stop pretending that dudes just being dudes is rape, I guess. I guess. Number six, why would you be with a woman who's not a virgin anyway? She's used good secondhand, said during a 2014 interview. Tate said, told the press that this was him jokingly mocking a Russian kickboxer who he was going to fight, arguing that the kickboxer, quote, did the comment seriously in the Russian press. However, due to Tate's other comments, many do not buy this excuse. I'm going to keep going. I, I got a point here but I'm going to keep going. This is this is Andrew Tate. So people defend depression. They get angry when I say this because they need bullshit to justify their own failures. By admitting I'm right, they would need to work hard to make themselves happy. To avoid the work, argue with me and pretend depression is a thing. So he's basically saying depression isn't a thing or that we use depression as a as a crutch, whatever. By extension, if I have responsibility over her, then I must have a degree of authority talking about his opinions of women. So he has he has like a I looked into him a little bit because I was I was genuinely curious about why people were so up up in arms and decided to ban him permanently. He he has a lot of opinions about women that would be looked at as him thinking that women are subordinate, right? That that men are in a position of power, and so because of that, then women are subordinate to men in almost all aspects, right? That's just that's what I could gather. Uh there's another one of his quotes. One of the best things about being a man is being territorial and being able to say that is mine. He said that during a live video debate with XQC. Um and he was talking about women.
1: I mean it, it hasn't yeah. he been deplatformed from Twitter for five years or so I think. I think I saw that it, it had it's been a while and then just recently meta so Instagram and Facebook shut him down and also did TikTok. So he's like totally deplatformed now.
0: Yeah. Like he's a bad dude, right? Well maybe he's not a bad dude. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I like I said, I was not aware of him. But but it did it did cause a a, a big firestorm when he did get banned. So obviously people do care. And I don't necessarily agree with everything that this guy said, and it might even be misogynistic and he may not be a great dude and he may be flawed and his thinking may be skewed or whatever, like, or or he might just be a complete misogynist and he's a danger to women. Maybe whatever you think, I don't think anything that I read is enough for somebody to say like, yeah, this guy is so dangerous that he can't be on our platform. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, where do you cross that line? Because OJ Simpson's still on Twitter and he killed his,
1: he killed his ex-wife. Would it be based off like engagement that he gets? Like if he's saying like, whatever you can say whatever the fuck you want to, but then like if he gains enough people liking, commenting, retweeting that shit to like, see that like the dudes actually has a platform and is like really spreading a lot of like hateful speech. Maybe that's when they decide to step in. But is it hateful speech? Yeah. Against women for sure. I mean,
0: okay. I, 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 I I a hundred percent like agree with you that, that, that you could interpret it that way and it, and it could be felt that way. But like, I don't know. And again, my sample size is incredibly small, but it seems as though this guy is here not to like change people's minds so much as he, as he is like, this is what I think. And I'm super willing to debate this because I understand it to be controversial in, in the grand scheme of what people think in, in polite society. And, uh, also willing to admit I I, I listened to a whole hour and a half interview he did and and like a couple times during that interview he's like yeah well I'm probably wrong about that And, and and so it's like okay this guy is kind of a douchebag he's rich and he flaunts it and he says he wants to help other people get rich uh and it might just be a scheme and 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 like if you were to think the worst of this person I wouldn't blame you but is it is he so dangerous that we have to Ban him from all social media. That That's just, to me, it's like, doesn't that just make us look weak? Doesn't it make, like, like if, if you're not confident in yourself and in your comments, and what are you afraid of this guy for?
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying. And, 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 okay,
0: he's not talking about me. So maybe I'm, my head's up my ass on this one. But it just seems to me like the, the idea to ban somebody from something specifically for words that they're saying is almost like a stamp of approval that what they're saying holds some merit because if it didn't, then why would you care? Why would you care that much to ban them? Uh, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So you're, you're thinking like, oh, they're, they're, he might be full of shit, but there, there's definitely like some ounce of truth to what this guy is saying. And we're we're scared enough that people are going to, to hear this and then they're going to question what he's saying and then look into it, right? Or something. Or whatever. I don't know what, what the final deciding factor was, but it just it just seems an odd
1: an odd route to take. Isn't that similar though, like with what in a way, like with Donald Trump though, like with the same reason he was kicked off into platformed, like it isn't it kind of like in the similar vein just that Trump's people stormed the Capitol, but like, there's some parallels for sure. Oh yeah,
0: hundred percent. And then like, I, I I disagree just as vehemently with that with that decision as well. Right, right. right. But like, a hundred percent. Uh, you know, don't don't, I don't believe that, that banning anybody from 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 these kind of platforms is is doing the thing that we think it's doing. You know, like like with Donald yeah. Trump, didn't didn't that just like what did that do? Is he is he still like the front runner for? The presidency, like, yeah, so like, what do we, you know, I I don't know, man, it's all, it's all very wonky, but, but you'll never, to this point, I haven't been able to find anybody who has uh, fringe opinions on another side of the spectrum that has gotten banned. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, 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 you can be this person, Andrew Tate, and be kind of a douchebag, and and say incredibly controversial things to the point where you think that they're endangering to women or what have you. But on the other end, you could call for straight up call for violence as a, a sitting member of Congress during the BLM rights and then everything's fine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like. Mm, I don't know. It doesn't seem like we're playing the we're playing the same side here. And I'm not sure if uh, if you saw in the Wall Street Journal today, but there was a whistleblower that came out from Twitter from their security. Did you read about this? Did You hear about this at all? No, sir. So it actually ties into, and and I I got to imagine that it's connected. It, it ties in a little bit to uh, the lawsuit that uh, Elon Musk is going through with with Twitter right now because that deal blew up because they were not being truthful about the amount of bots that were on on Twitter. And so Elon Musk was like, well, if you're not going to be truthful about this, then I can't possibly make this purchase. And so he pulled out, and now Twitter's suing him to go through the deal. Well, uh, the former head of security at Twitter filed a whistleblower complaint against Twitter, accusing it of uh, failing to protect sensitive user data and lying about its security problems. This guy's name is Peter Zatko, and he was fired uh, from Twitter... Uh, as their head of security earlier this year, he claims that he, that he has uncovered extreme egregious deficiencies by Twitter in every area of his uh, mandate, including privacy, digital and physical security, platform integrity, and content moderation. And one of the things that, that he claims to have found is that Twitter employees will, at their discretion choose to ban or mute or throttle engagement, shadow ban, the whole thing. And he's basically saying like, yeah, like whatever you think Twitter is doing behind the scenes, if you think that they are ideologically motivated and they're making moves to, to do things kind of behind the scenes to make it so that uh, Twitter is not a safe space for a very certain uh, set of people, then you're correct in that, in those thoughts. And here's the proof. Mm. So yeah, man,
1: it's just like, eh, you know, Like
0: you and me, we didn't know who Andrew Tate was And now we do
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's only because he got banned And he's only going to make him more
1: popular Yeah, that's very true What happened with the Finnish Prime Minister?
0: There's another weird story Did you, did you, have you heard about this at all? Mm -mm. Yeah, I'll show you So this is a video of the Finnish Prime Minister and her friends
1: That's her right there on the left So she's just dancing a little sexually It seems I don't really have to watch all of it.
0: She's just dancing, having a good time, being a little promiscuous on the dance floor. Yeah. So I, I guess the fins are a bunch of prudes. That's that's only thing I can get, I can draw from this because she's catching a lot of heat.
1: Really? Yeah. I mean, there was some gyrating going on, but it wasn't, I didn't think it was like uncalled for or egregious in any way. Uh,
0: Finnish Prime Minister Sanna Marin is facing a backlash after being seen partying in a leaked video. And the footage uh, thought to be taken from social media, she and friends, including Finnish celebrities, are seen dancing and singing. Uh, She has faced criticism from opposition parties with one leader demanding she take a drug test. So that's the the thing right now. Everybody's asking that she take a drug test so that, I don't know. They don't want her to take drugs, which is, I, I, yes, sure. You don't want like your prime minister on drugs, I guess.
1: I mean, would you want Donald Trump, you know, snorting Coke,
0: <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know, man. I just, I, I thought that was interesting because I mean, it, it it is, it's a big deal. A lot of people are like, are like, what the fuck is going on? And, and, uh, uh I don't know, maybe uh, there's like some accusations that she was snorting Coke, but she did submit to a drug test. God, I would hate to be in that, like the public view like that. To like submit yourself to a drug test because somebody was filming you dancing at a party.
1: Yeah, man.
0: Isn't that, isn't that such a kind of a gross thing that we do?
1: I I would say our current president needs drugs to still function. So maybe it's not the worst thing if, if if, if leaders have drugs.
0: I guess it depends (laughs) on what drugs, whatever, whatever's keeping uh, Joe Biden uh, awake. Let's do that.
1: Yeah. Keep that. giving him that. Dude, I've seen a lot of videos and like picture comparisons, though, of like him, you know, in the you know early 2000s and into his like vice presidency mm-hmm. compared to now. And he looks like extremely different, like almost as if it's a different person, different. It's it's weird. Mm. You ever looked
0: at it before? No, I, like, I've it never even compares, it, like it,
1: eye color and stuff. So, so you're saying
0: different. like, like as most presidents age, he's not gotten worse, but he's actually looks like different. Yeah.
1: Like a different person, Mm.
0: yes. Strange. There's a sentiment about beauty that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You've heard that, I've heard that, we've all heard that. That would suggest that beauty is subjective, would it not? Correct, That there isn't, maybe maybe it doesn't go this far, but that it would suggest that there is not objective beauty, meaning that beauty is not a universal concept and that it could be whatever you want it to be, right? I've always rejected that. Because I think that beauty, and I've never been able to exp- like explain it, but I've always thought that like beauty was something that was like universal and like the subjectiveness of beauty is also like the deterioration of beauty. like you know what I mean, but I've never been able to to uh, uh, describe it, but then I, I came across this Twitter thread and I wanted to uh, uh, bring it up here and, and, and see if maybe it would it would bring to light. The, the sentiments that, that I've been feeling about the, the, what beauty is, right? And so their claim is that the experience of beauty is universal, right? So that the subjectiveness of it is, is more or less taken away. Uh, research suggests that we all experience beauty in a similar way, independent of culture, gender, or context. This suggests that beauty is objective rather than just, quote, in the eye of the beholder, right? And so here's some pictures that they have. This looks to be a street in Japan
1: quite beautiful
0: well, i would say uh this looks like a archway in india and and look at like the intricacies of the building and and the architecture and what she's wearing and all it's just it's it is beautiful on its face uh, that's just a picture i don't know what we're looking at there but see you know what i mean like like look at this little courtyard here this little square it, it, it it's just uh it captures your eye you want to look at it more you want to understand it you want to understand what you're looking at and Take in all the different intricacies of it, and um, so as we go forward with this thread here, they start talking about older buildings and why are they so beautiful. And they're saying that back in the day, they were designed with with classic principles in mind, and this means that the architect intentionally formed the features of the building to produce the greatest possible experience of beauty. And then they they even go into saying that there's like, like a toolkit, like a like a game plan or blueprint for beauty. And and then they even claim that. The brain takes in traditional classical architecture the same way that it takes in natural beauty, like looking at, you know, uh, half dome at Yosemite or whatever. It's so like this picture here. I don't know, man, like like Chicago is a great example of this because they have a, a ton of great buildings uh, with with really uh, intricate architecture and, and a lot of attention to detail. I don't know. just like looking at this picture. It's just like, yeah, you could sit here for an hour and, and not even be able to take in all of that.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with that. But I guess when it comes to like that, I would say, yes, that, that is, you could say that's subjective. But when it comes to a person, I feel like there's so many different kinds of people and like attractions are, are always going to be subjective. Like, I think you can't have like an objective attraction because not everyone can be attracted to the same thing necessarily. Well, that, we're, we're talking
0: about, I think, attraction and beauty are, are two different things. Would, would you argue that that would be attractive, just this picture? Or if you were put in this place, maybe you don't appreciate it, but it's attractive universally.
1: I'd say it's beautiful universally. It's not attractive. Like, I'm not aroused by looking at this picture. Right. So then we're talking about, exactly. So we're talking about two different things. But don't you think that when it comes to, like, the beauty of any person, that's subjective because it's based off attraction? Yeah. But attraction isn't all just looks
0: and, and, and the, and the physical, right. You know what I mean? Well, like, like for, okay. So I'm watching, I'm not watching this. Jacqueline is watching.
2: Um, <laughs>
1: so you're watching it from the kitchen. What's it called? Yeah. It's or? called uh, married at first sight. <laughs> oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. So
0: these people just get there. Like they go through this, this television show. There's a matchmaker that matches these two people and then boom, they're married. And then they go huh. and they, I guess they have like 90 days to figure it out. It's so not really married, but they are married, right? Legally, yeah. they're married. They, they sign the papers and the whole nine. And a lot of time they talk about the, uh, their inability to feel attracted to the person that they're married to right? Because they didn't meet these people. They didn't vet them. They just met them. They just boom, like blind date, but then they're married. And then they have a counselor they talk to and they're always talking about the, the, you know, uh, a big theme is that they, they can't feel attracted to the the person that they're with. And, and the counselor is always like, well, you have to have an open mind about it because attractiveness is not what you see on the surface. That's just like lust, right? That's just surface beauty. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here. Is this is all just its surface level, and that you know we, we're just viewing it with our eyes, and maybe some of it we can touch, but it's beautiful in 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 that the the attention to detail and the intricacies and yes. and the the planning that goes in behind it and and all of that right, and, and I think that's what they're talking about, like like beauty, and and they even make the case that 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 beauty resides in a very specific portion of your brain, and they just highlight the frontal portion of your of your brain they don't really give much detail into that but they also claim that that neuroscience tells us that there is no perceptible brain location for ugliness meaning that ugly and beautiful are on a scale and it also means that ugly buildings literally make us feel brain dead now look at this building this is i don't know where this is at but do you know what this kind of architecture is called the the the, the, the like definition no of it? i don't it's called brutalist mm-hmm. hmm Brutalist architecture. If you go to Washington, D.C., and you look at all the federal buildings, they look just like this. Brutalist.
1: Like, why is that a style that looks terrible?
0: Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. And and I don't know if it was for functionality or for just just to get the buildings up and and built so they can house a bunch of bureaucrats, but that is what what it is. Uh, Research suggests that a strong correlation with urban happiness is the individual's perception of living in a beautiful city. To create happy cities, we must bring back the concept that beauty is objective. And that's how they end it. And I could not agree more because I look at San Diego. San Diego is objectively a beautiful city, right? And that has to do almost exclusively with the landscape. If you look at downtown San Diego, there is like one building that's like, wow, that's really beautiful building. All the others are just complete modern horseshit. It's just a bunch of steel beams and, and glass. Yeah. And I don't think, and then you go to Balboa Park and you look at these buildings in Balboa Park and they're just so damn complex and they have so many different little details to them and you can get lost in these buildings and look for, for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And, hours. and uh, I agree, man. I think every single shit city, especially those that are struggling, like think of Toledo had... A beautification department. And the only thing that they were focused on was making Toledo beautiful and doing so through man made architecture. Think of how great that would be for the city of Toledo. How much better you would feel living in a city that was focused on the beautification, making sure that Toledo was beautiful, even if the circumstances within the city were not so. To me, that, like, that is just, I don't know, it just clicks in my head. It just makes so much sense.
1: But so do you think there's any aspect of nostalgia to beauty also? Because, like, what you're saying, like, the glass buildings that are in downtown San Diego Mm -hmm. and tons of, like, newer cities in America that have only been here for 100 or whatever years, 200 years, do you think that there's just some nostalgia to the way, you know, ancient Rome and India and all these places were built where it's like, oh, you don't see that anymore. That's beautiful. Whereas maybe in 200 years whatever the hell buildings look like, then they're going to be thinking the same thing about ours now. Like, oh, that's beautiful. I don't think so, because it,
0: it's not about the it's not about the time that that building has been spent on Earth. It's about how it was made and why it was made. Right. Mm-hmm. Why do why do why does my sister text me after she gets out of the Sistine Chapel and tells me that she bawled her eyes out? It's not because it's old It's because it's the most beautiful thing she's ever seen she can't comprehend that in her head and so it makes her emotional and it makes her cry right because there was so much attention uh, and and in the way that these buildings were built were so intentional for beauty go to a cathedral in Mexico what's what's interesting about these cathedrals in Mexico is that a lot of them on the exterior are ugly they're just stone buildings they look worn down they don't even look like there's anything functioning inside of them and then you <laughs> go through the you go through the front doors and then you're just awash in the most extravagant lavish cathedrals you've ever put your eyes on and you're like, Oh my God. And the only thing that you can think of is how long did it take them to make this and how much money and how many people died and and on the backs of how many, uh, slaves, you know, or, or, or what did they have to do to get something so extraordinary built? Aliens. Aliens. Why not? (laughs) I mean, honestly, no, think about it. Like, like I'm willing to entertain that possibility. If it's so beautiful that like our tiny little human brains can't even comprehend
1: it. That's the only way that you can explain the pyramids to me is aliens. I cannot be talked out of that. No. Due to the fact that they were all built very similarly all around the world. I like got very like, close date ranges. Mm. It's just weird. And now today we find they make up a grid of the planet that high energy points. It's just, it's intriguing.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about that to even like begin to speak on it, but you and my dad should
1: have a talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's just ancient aliens flowing out of my mouth is all that is. <laughs> um, I, I was introduced to this idea of, of beauty
0: and, and how important it is a few years ago, maybe like four or five years ago, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about architecture and they were talking about, they were mainly talking about churches. And the reason that churches were built so beautifully was because they, the architects and the people building the church truly believed that they were building the house of God. And if they were going to build the house wow. of God, then they needed to build a house worthy of God. Right. And the only house worthy of God was one that was so beautiful. You couldn't even comprehend it. And uh, maybe we don't have the motivation for that right now. Like maybe God isn't our motivation, but there's gotta be something. And I, I just, I would love to see a return to architecture. that's not so it's not so modern. That's not so like cut and angled and, and sharp, but architecture that's w- more thoughtful and that takes time and that takes money. Um, <laughs> but but that is that is built intentionally so that a hundred years from now you look at it and you're like wow you know I'm not yeah. gonna look at I'm not gonna look at uh, uh, Fifth and Ash Street and like wow what a beautiful window
1: you know like, it's yeah. Just, like yeah I don't know and, and that lasts too man because like the materials and shit we're building probably most of our buildings with these days are garbage and horseshit and won't last for two thousand years like the pyramids mm-hmm. who some even you know the Sphinx people are dating to crazy amounts of years they? even before the Egyptians yeah like there's there's a whole thing that, that they think that that was, I think it's ancient Sumerians or something else where there was like a whole civilization of people before the Egyptians and before what we even know as like Fertile Crescent type life. Right on. It's, yeah, whole rabbit hole. Dude, I love these kind of things. The kid is just <laughs> completely locked into you. Dude, Dad he's like, Dad, what? He's like, what are Sumerians,
0: Dad? <laughs> I think the Jews built the pyramid, Dad. <laughs> what about the Jews? Forty years in the desert.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here. Let's do this read for these sponsors of ours. Um, You guys, you guys know by now. And I can't even find the ad read. But drinking a good smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself. But when you can do that and help American heroes like veterans and first responders, it makes it that much better. our sponsor gun barrel coffee does just that the way they do that is that they offer 14 different blends and roast which you can get in uh, whole bean ground or single serve k-cups and right now as a friend of this ship you can use the promo code fnh10 you'll save 10 percent at checkout when you buy their products at gunbarrelcoffee.com that is promo code fnh10 gun barrel coffee damn good coffee damn good cause great weed walter um Drop us a line on Twitter
0: at FriendshipNH, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, and Instagram and TikTok at FriendshipNewsHour, and uh, you can send us an email at bummerdude.media at gmail.com, bummerdude.media at gmail.com. We will see you next time.